Hello and welcome to the Financial Classroom with Will, Tim, and Jules, where three friends believe that the American dream is built by living within your means. Listen as we discuss how to build wealth, live frugally, and attack life with a financial plan. Hey everyone, welcome to the Financial Classroom. Uh, today, Will is on vacation, so I guess you're stuck with Jules and myself today. But we also have Taylor here with us, and Taylor is a six-figure millennial. So we are very pleased to have you on the show today, Taylor. Can you just start us out by telling your story, telling us a little bit about yourself, what your financial journey has looked like, and how you came to be a six-figure millennial? Yeah, definitely. So I'm a six-figure millennial in part of being a partnership with my husband, So I'll tell you both a little bit about me and him. So I grew up in Massachusetts. That's where we live now. And same with him. My upbringing was weird, I guess. Um, I definitely remember like I was at the age in 2008 when like the financial crisis hit that I like remember that happening. And I don't know why, like I had this like scarcity mindset kind of ever since then or like my parents never said we were affected by it at all, but like, I just kind of like felt like we were kind of thing. And ever since then I was always like hyper aware of like finances and stuff like that. And was super interested in it. My mom was definitely like a shopaholic. And like, I remember going to the mall, like every other weekend and buying clothes constantly. And it always kind of like, I loved doing that, but On the other hand, I always had like anxiety around collecting things like, and I have from that age of like middle school to now, like I'm the complete opposite. Like, I don't want to say I'm a minimalist, but I am very things averse. I'm definitely more experiences oriented and spending my money on experiences. I chose to go to a university that was pretty expensive. So I collected a decent amount of student loan debt. I graduated when I was 22 years old with about, I think, $90,000 in student loan debt, wow. a $25,000 car loan, and then 4000 in credit cards. And I don't know how I discovered Dave Ramsey. I think it was just on like Pinterest or something. Cause I remember like before I graduated, I was like Pinteresting, like how to pay off debt or like stuff like that. And he must've come up. So while I was um, working my first job, which was about an hour and a half car ride each way to work, I would listen to Dave Ramsey. And I ended up paying off $30,000 of student loan debt and $4,000 of credit card debt within like a year. I just like hyper-focused. I had like $30,000 of federal student loans and the rest of it was private. I paid off the federal loans, which now I'm kicking myself because that was paused through the government over the past year and a half. And they actually just extended it the other day. But yeah, I paid off a decent amount of debt. And I don't know what switch. I think I kind of discovered the FIRE community after Mm -hmm. that. And I was like, okay, I'm actually going to focus on investing and kind of pause being crazy paying off the debt right now, because I think it it makes more financial sense to do that because my interest rates were pretty low. Meanwhile, my husband, he grew up, I think in a pretty like conservative households from what I'm seeing, like they didn't have like flashy things or go on flashy vacations or anything. And they're very like modest and everything. And he was very smart and went to high school that offered like 
technical programs. And so he got into the carpentry program when he was like freshman in high school and he learned a very useful skill. He started a landscaping business when I think he was 18 years old. And since then, he's been just building that business, has great clients. His phone's constantly ringing off the hook. And then a couple of years ago, he really decided that he wanted to, he didn't want landscaping to be like the only thing, I think. And he started doing forest fire work. So like he he got hired by the state and obviously it's not warm here all the time. So during the summer, he works for the state just in the state forest, doing what they need, like clearing stuff, or if there's fire going to that. And he's been really enjoying that, learning it a lot. The hours are not the best. That's been our little sacrifice over the past couple of years, really um, deciding we want to take these few years that we have, like before we have children to really like upscale our wealth building abilities. And that's taken some sacrifice on our end time-wise. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And also we got married last summer and right before the pandemic started, we decided that I should buy our first rental property before we get married because being a business owner, those finances are, it's crazy getting a mortgage, being a business owner. So before I got tied to him, easily buy a house. And literally, I think it was, Two weeks before the world shut down, I looked at this house. It just popped up and it's about five minutes from our house. We put an offer on it, got accepted. The world shut down and somehow I was still able to close on it in my car, signing papers. (laughs) And yeah, so we have one rental property, one primary residence and yeah, just building wealth through like retirement accounts and stuff like that. And just to recap your current situation, you're working, you've got the rental house, you've got your husband is working and your husband still owns the landscaping business. Yes. Yeah. So he pretty much works two full-time jobs is how I like to put it. (laughs) You guys are uh, grinding pretty hard early on. I love it. Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely been a grind. It's definitely had some ups and downs, but I think it will be worth it in the long run. Well, I love that you guys have, you're focused on where you want to be in the future and you're willing to put in the hard work in the beginning and you're doing it before you have kids, which is so smart. Cause once you have kids, the priorities kind of change and that's natural. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Did we talk yet about your current net worth? No. So I was trying to get my, we were in the process of refinancing the rental property because we're using a strategy. It's called Burr. That stands for buy, rehab, uh, rent, refinance, repeat. So we finished the rehab on it end of May. Yeah, end of May. And we're in the refinance process now. And that house was appraised a couple of weeks ago for $140,000 more than we bought it for. And that's going to bring our net worth up to around the $500,000 mark. Wow. I You know, I've never heard that saying before burr buy yeah yeah we find this finance repeat that's cool yeah it is there's so many strategies when it comes to real estate like you just have to pick one or there's just so many opportunities to build wealth through real estate it's crazy 
And then at uh, at what age did you or you and your husband hit the six figure net worth? So my husband was the game changer in that. And I would say he was probably he was probably 20, 26, 27 when he was able to accomplish that. And that was done through a not a smart real estate purchase, which is our primary residence. And how old is he now? He's 30. Yeah, 30. Okay. So in four years, you guys have managed to throw on probably about like 400K, give or take to net worth. Yes, exactly. Wow. That's incredible. incredible. And is that mostly done through real estate? Yeah, I would say at least half of it is equity in real estate and the rest are retirement accounts and cash. And what has your guys's salary range been, I guess, like kind of at its at its lowest versus what it is now? So when I started in the workforce five years ago, I was making 65,000. I just negotiated a raise to where I'm making 85,000. And I and just because he's like a business owner, like I think his his right. salary kind of really fluctuates. But this year he's going to be doing well because he's been doing the two jobs, like I said. So he's probably making over six figures. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Awesome. Good for both of you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 85, yeah, 85 is incredible, especially at 27. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm like, I feel like I see all these people, like, especially on in like the Instagram space who like work for like fintech companies. Um, they're like making like $150,000 a year. I'm like, oh, what am I doing wrong? But yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> yeah I no, think I... that's something we always get stuck with comparing to other people, comparing yes. what they have or how much money they make or what they look like. It's something that even I get caught myself, like stop comparing yourself to what other people have. You don't know what's behind the scenes. You don't see the whole picture. Exactly. Like ever since I joined like the personal finance community on Instagram, like it's such like a motivating community but on the other hand it's so easy to compare yourself to other people and like they're paying off all this debt or they're they made this much in their investments this year I'm like but overall it's a positive positive community just got to reinforce that we're all on our own different journeys yeah exactly yeah and we all just need to support each other and I think when we get caught up with starting to compare with other people that will freeze us in our tracks and we're not going to progress because we're going to be too focused on what other people are doing. Yeah. Yeah. And then that like just takes away our whole happiness from this whole journey that we're going on. We uh, like, exactly. you know, we're going along. We're like, Oh, I'm so proud of myself. I'm doing really, really well. And then we kind of look off to the side and see, Oh, that person's like doing a lot better than me or they have this or whatever. And it's like, okay, yeah, <laughs> but there may be like a one in 10,000 case or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's always going to be someone who is going to look at you and also be in awe of what you've accomplished. Exactly. Like even just like I like to think about like myself five years ago and like think I don't think I ever would have thought I would be where I am right now at this stage of my life. And it's just like crazy to look back and see how far you've come. And would you say that you've altered your life drastically or what have, what has been some some changes you guys have made to get you where you are today? So I don't think it was super drastic. Like I knew that I always had like the interest in learning about finance and I wanted, I had that drive to be good with money, but I just originally had that mindset of like, Oh, I was never taught. So like, 
it's not for me kind of thing. I hear that a over lot. The, yeah. And then, like, you just got to get over it. Like you just got to just start, just do something. It's like my, the thing that I like to say, everyone has to start from somewhere. We're not all born knowing everything. So you just gotta, you gotta start and you gotta learn. So over the past five years, it's been a lot of just learning for me through like podcasts have been huge for me, YouTube books, also kind of like really focusing on what makes me happy and like always going back before I make a purchase, like, is this going to make me happy just now within the the next five minutes, or is this still going to make me happy in a few years? So it's been a lot of kind of like reflecting on the purchases we make and what makes us happy. And we also used to be like chronic people that would go out to eat all the time. And even that is just looking back on that is crazy to me too. Now we only really go out to eat like once a week and that's like perfect for us. And also like educating my husband in the process too, because he's someone that he's like more of like a go with the flow person. Like he knows like we're not broke kind of thing, but it's more of like, I would learn something and be like, Hey, like, how about this? And you'd be like, Oh, it's cool. And then like, I wouldn't push it on him. And then he would kind of figure it out by himself kind of thing. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think not, not people. forcing the spouse into it, but yeah, like, I think a lot of people are like that, where they kind of like to be able to figure things out on their own and not be told what to do, but kind of be told, hey, like, this is like a sweet life hack. And this is something I learned about. And to be able to just kind of process that on their own, dig into it on their own. And Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Would you say that like you and your husband, is he as into it as you are with the whole fire community and this hacking of everything and investment properties? Like, where are you guys at together on that? This is like, so it's like one of my most frustrating things with him. <laughs> um, <laughs> so whenever I'm like, what are your goals or anything? Like, honestly, the only thing he's ever said to me in the past five years is I just want to retire. I'm like, <laughs> okay, but like, what, what do we need to do to get there? <laughs> Um, and like in his mind, like he has it all figured out. He'll be fine. Like when we're in the car or something, like I'll always, I'll try to put on like a podcast. Um, usually it has to do with like real estate or something, but ever since I've known him, which has been like almost 10 years now, like I always, I went to school for construction. It's always been like a very big part of my life. I thought I would come out building houses or flipping houses or anything. So it's always kind of been an interest of mine. And when we first met, I told him that he was like, oh, I've always like kind of wanted to like do rental properties. I'm like, oh, okay. And like knowing that he's like a handy person and everything. So just kind of like over the past 10 years, it's kind of really evolved from there. And we got started getting serious about really learning the basics and the principles behind real estate investing probably like three years ago. And it took us like two years to actually like do something about it other than like we had our primary residence before, but like actually it took us two years of learning just to feel confident enough to put in an offer on a house and just start and learn from there. So do you guys have a fire age, uh, age that you hope to be financially independent by? Yeah. So our house is, that's like the biggest driving force behind everything um, of it. And that's really what he is focused on is like paying off our house. And we've, I've really had to compromise on him with that. Like I'm a big fan of the 30 year mortgage and especially with interest rates right now here, they're super low and I'd be fine 
having this, the mortgage for 30 years, but he is someone that's like, I want to pay it off. So we said 12 years was a good compromise. So our house will be paid off when he's 41. And I think I'm 39. And I mean, I don't know if we'll be able to do something before then about retiring, but definitely in that 40 age is when we plan to maybe, I I think I'll always still work and stay with him. He's someone that can't sit at home all day. He'll always be doing projects or flipping, flipping trucks or doing something or real estate. But that's when we think that we will be financially independent. Yeah. And then at that point, you guys aren't even like, at least you guys aren't locked down to having to, you know, flip this house or that house because your, your life depends on it because you have to put food on the table. It just becomes more of a, ah, oh, you know what? I need something to fill my time that I enjoy. And who knows, maybe this will pay for some crazy extravagant vacation or something like that. Exactly. Like our, I mean, like with most people, housing is the biggest expense. Um, and we try to keep our other, like our variable expenses pretty low. And I mean, by that time I'll have my student loan debt paid off then too. So we'll have, we have like a decent amount of flex in our in our budget over the next like probably five years when things are paid off and everything. So yeah, the the one driving force is definitely just the house. Have you guys made any funny mistakes while trying to navigate this whole financial journey of yours? I mean, I don't think as a couple we have, it was all just me being stupid, like me buying a brand new car when I was 22 years old. Like that was the dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> but I've also, I, it also made me learn from it because I will probably never buy a brand new car ever again. And I mean, at least I have a car now that I really don't have to worry about breaking down all the time. And that was honestly the driving force behind it. Cause I knew I was going to be driving a hundred miles a day to go to work. So I didn't want something that was breaking down, but overall, like, I don't think we've done anything too stupid with our money since we've been together. <laughs> and a hundred miles a day to go to work. That's It was awful. Horrible. I only lasted a year doing that. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. I, How yeah, much is a hundred miles? That's more yeah, than 160 kilometers. kilometers. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I was like, man, if you're still doing that, I mean, good for you, but I don't think I could do that unless I am like, you know, no. I would have to be making six figures. At yeah, least. no. And it's like, that's the trade-off for me was like, I, I now work like 20 minutes from my house, which is great. It's like the perfect amount of time in the car every day, but I t- took a little bit of a pay cut to come back down here. And I could just over the past few months, recruiters reaching out on LinkedIn, I could do that again and make a lot more money, but my time is more valuable to me than money. Yeah, that's so true. We have to always evaluate. And I mean, that much time in the car every day. Nope. No, exactly. It was just like killing me mentally and just like my body physically, like sitting there and just but the amount of time. All that the I was... Dave Ramsey you got to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so along the way, have you guys received any significant financial assistance or even just like any, for example, like lottery winnings or, or just crazy influxes of income that maybe you didn't earn yourselves? No. Definitely not. I mean, I could say that our choices, our smart real estate choices were kind of, I don't know if they were lucky or just like smart on our end and like 
he bought like the current house that I'm in right now, our primary residence was a foreclosure and it didn't need a ton of work, but like he was able to increase the value of this home significantly. That was probably the smartest financial choice he's ever made. And then even just the property that we bought last year and the market over the past year, increasing the value on that is, was just insane. Like I didn't think that would happen that way. But I mean, no, we don't, we didn't have any windfalls other than kind of just luck of the market, I guess. So just so our listeners are completely aware, that means that Taylor and her husband went from like, you know, six figures to 500 K in a matter of a few years without winning the lottery. They, it was just like blood, sweat, and tears, that sweat equity in houses that, uh, you know, just working really hard. So it's not crazy. It's not impossible. It's just normal people just putting in work and going hard at it. Yeah. I love that you said that, Tim, because I do think that sometimes people will look at like even Taylor's situation and think like, well, she's special or something happened to her. I can't do that. But yeah. And just, I was listening to a lot of your um, podcast episodes last weekend. A lot of the six figure millionaire ones are not millionaire, but millennial. And I was like, wow, like, I feel like I, I like I can really relate to all these people. Like they're just like, they seem like me, like they're not going out doing crazy things every weekend. Like I'm just, I'm a pretty boring person. I would say <laughs> we didn't do anything crazy to get to where we are. It's just living below our means and putting our money in the right places. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of these, really all of these situations that we've gone through are just people who they don't wake up one day or, you know, even one month and all of a sudden they're, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or $200,000 richer. It's a lot of time in the market, for example, where you're maybe just, you know, going up that hundred dollars, you know, every day or whatever, something like that, or, you take on, for example, like you guys, probably a six month, one year project of renovating a house and it's just showing up every day and doing what you need to do and reaping the rewards. Exactly. It's, I love the phrase like daily consistent action. Like that is like my thing. I'm someone that I have my morning routine. I get up every day. I do my workout. I eat right. And I look at my real estate market every single day. I get listings and I I know what's happening. It's just like someone can't think like they're going to go to the gym one time and lose 20 pounds. Like it's done doing things consistently over time. And like, same, like what you said, like we lived through renovating this house for a year. It's still not, still not done. Um, And that's been like the sacrifice along the way. There's been a lot of sacrifice, but we're reaping the rewards now. Yeah. It's not glamorous and you don't think that you're getting anywhere day to day, but (laughs) you are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then some people, I mean, I found you on Instagram. You have a really good Instagram presence. I love that. And I was looking at your cottage on the lake and I'm thinking, you know, from an outsider's perspective, wow, that's so beautiful. And they're so fortunate to have that. And thinking, you know, almost doing that comparison thing too, where you're like, she's got a great life. (laughs) Oh, exactly. And like, I, I love, especially sharing on my Instagram, like I'll share like the view of the lake. But I'm like, guys, I live in an 800 square foot, mm-hmm. one bedroom house. The bathroom has not been renovated in 30 years. And yeah, we're about to take on hopefully this fall, putting on 
an addition onto the front of our house and it'll probably triple the square footage, hopefully. Um, and that's going to be probably two to three years because I'm, I work in construction. I know things don't happen overnight and we're not in a rush to do it other than like get the structure up. But yeah, it's, that's, that's going to be another thing where it's going to be a lot of sacrifice, but by the end of it, it's going to be very rewarding. And yeah, you just use that word sacrifice. And I mean, you do have to make sacrifices typically to be able to achieve fire, even like to get out of debt. Can you just go into like, do you have some examples of sacrifices that you've made along the way, or even just lifestyle changes that you've made along the way in your journey of getting debt free and of achieving fire? Yeah. So like, definitely like there was a year where we didn't go on like a we don't go on glamorous vacations. I'm not going to say that, but skipping out on vacations, saying no to going out to eat every night. Like we used to do just switching over to that mindset of like, I don't need all the things that are being advertised to me right now. Like really controlling our, our spending on like miscellaneous items, stuff like that. And like I said, just living at my age right now, like my friends are starting to buy houses and like a lot of people, my age are like buying their dream home. And I'm like, you're, it's just like weird. Cause I'm like, you're, you're 27. Like, I don't, I feel like we shouldn't be having our dream home right now, but um, we definitely don't live in the, the dream home. We live in a tiny house yeah. that's just big enough for two people and a dog. And like I said, living through a construction zone or not buying like the pretty house, like anything like that. But yeah, I think that's probably it. Just really, really living below our means as much as we can and but being happy with it like we love our simple life and that's something that we've found out along the way like we don't need to live a glamorous life to be happy so just out of curiosity you mentioned that that you started eating out a lot less and that's something that I started doing when I jumped on a budget uh, do you guys have like a budgeted amount for eating out or even just like a a budget for all of your income or? Yeah. So I, I don't really like to call it a budget, but I guess you can, it's more of like spending goals. Like, and I try to make sure, share those goals, like align with what is important to us. So usually like I anticipate us going out to eat like once a week, like that has been become very realistic for us. And it's usually like $200 or something like that. And we're lucky because he can, my husband's life is pretty much one big business expense for him is what I like to say. He does, he like everything that he does is pretty much very much his business related. So he's a very inexpensive aspect of our budget. But I mean, I, I do have, I do like all the day-to-day spending of the household kind of thing, like buying the groceries and like the household goods and all that stuff. So I, I do set goals for myself every month. If I go over them, it, okay, that's fine. Like I'll revisit it next month, see where we can cut back there. Right. And I think that's a really healthy attitude where, you know, if you, it, like, if you go over, you aren't necessarily like beating yourself up or anything like that, but you are just like reevaluating and kind of saying, okay, like, you know, I, I did go over, is there anything that I can do differently? Or is there kind of anything that's, you know, was maybe a one-off this month or anything that, yeah, I can change to help me hit my goal next month. Mm -hmm. And like, I found that not, I think what helped me the most was 
not looking at as a, as a budget, but really like just tracking my spending in general, like seeing where my money was going each month and like holding myself accountable. Every time I swipe the card, I go into my spreadsheet and I write it down kind of thing and mm. really tracking and seeing like what was affecting those spending habits that day was whether it was like I was in a mood. So I went online shopping kind of thing and trying to realize those triggers and reel in any bad spending habits. That's a really cool idea. So do you have almost like a spending journal where you're evaluating your mood with your spending? Yeah, a little bit. Exactly. Interesting. I actually have not heard of that before. It's I like, I love the concept. Yeah. <laughs> like yesterday I was having a pretty bad day. I ended up just taking a sick day because I was just like, I'm in a bad mood right now and I don't want to affect everyone else. And I really, I did, I had that thought in my mind, like, oh, I can just, I'll just go roam around a store and like, look at things. So I was like, wait, if I do that, I'm probably going to spend money on something that will make me happy for literally five minutes. And Mm -hmm. tomorrow I'll be like, why did I buy this? So yeah, it's definitely kind of like just realizing those triggers, I think has been super helpful. I feel like that's really similar to, I've heard a lot of people talk about how you don't go to a grocery store when you're hungry. So it's kind of like same kind of thing. Don't go to a, to a store when you're in a bad mood, you might make that impulse purchase that you, that you'll regret later. You wouldn't make, have made that purchase otherwise. And yeah. Yeah. It's just like eating ice cream when you're sad, like kind of thing. (laughs) Oh, am I ever guilty of that? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, with your social media, like I love what you've you're doing on Instagram, what are your goals with social media? Is it just to keep you accountable to kind of journal what you're doing or like, what do you have plans for the future of social media for you? I've been trying to like, think about that lately. Cause honestly, like, I don't really have any intent right now to like monetize it in any way, shape mm-hmm. or form, become an influencer or anything right now. It's in, it really did just start off by like me wanting to share, like what living a simple life is all about. And like, even just like saving tips and stuff like that. I like, I just like wanted a space where I can share these random things that I didn't really think my friends were interested in. Um, and it's really kind of turned into me trying to counteract the influencer movement and all these, these people that are, they just like are constantly sharing their brand new outfits every day and making people think that they need all these things in their lives are building brand new houses and all that stuff. So it's kind of like to counteract that culture, I think, but if it were to grow into something, I'd be fine with that. I just don't have any serious ambitions right now. It's more connecting me to a community that's positive. And if you could tell one thing to someone who is maybe like 18 to 22, kind of just starting out their adult life, what is something that you would maybe tell them? Knowledge is power. Don't underestimate the power of learning things. You can do hard things. Like it might seem super overwhelming at first, but just, just start, just start with one little thing, implement one daily action into your routine and just get started. And you mentioned routine too. And I think that's really important is to have a routine to have just to know what you're doing every single day and just make sure you get those few items off your to-do list every single day. Exactly. Like I never was a morning person. And over the past five years, I have 
developed into one. It's really bad, but yeah, it's, I love to start my day with things that make me happy before I have to go deal with people and all their problems. Like I want to focus on myself for a couple hours in the morning and really make myself feel like I'm starting out on the best foot moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if your answer changes at all for this question, but if you could tell one thing to all of our listeners, regardless of their age, is there one thing that you'd like to say or two things or other than like, you can do hard things. Cause I like, I really am a big believer in that phrase. Just start before you're ready and yeah, believe in yourself. Cause that was a big thing for me. I didn't start out with a ton of confidence, but me just learning and gaining that knowledge, you get confident along the journey. So One thing that we like to do with all of our guests that we have on the show is a game called Break the Piggy Bank. So basically, the idea is you have a piggy bank and it's full of as much money as you could ever imagine, you know, as much as you could ever need. And then some we're talking like Jeff Bezos kind of wealth here. So that's a big piggy bank. Yeah, very big (laughs) bank. Um, Yeah. So you get to take a hammer, you get to break open that piggy bank and you get to choose five things or five places rather that you'd like to go. What are those five places? That's hard. So overall, I'm just, I'm taking that money and we're buying a really nice camper RV and we're just doing a road trip all over North America. That's number one. Number two would probably be somewhere in Southeast Asia. Number three probably Argentina for probably renting like a huge mansion in the outer banks of North Carolina. And then five would probably just be like a backpacking trip to Europe. That's very cool. That is not Jeff Bezos types vacations. And I love that (laughs) you picked vacations that like correlate with your goals and also just with your idea of having a good time. Like it's not spending exorbitant amounts of money. It's having experiences and being with the person you want to be with and seeing things. It doesn't cost a lot of money to do those things. You're not Jeff Bezos and uh, saying that the moon is your vacation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I should have said uh, something about a super yacht. So I'll say that we'll do a super yacht vacation in the Mediterranean. (laughs) There you go. Nice. Cool. Uh, Well, Sorry, Jim. I was just going to say, like, Taylor, it's been really awesome having you on. I really appreciate you sharing your story. And like, I love some of the things that you've said, like you can do hard things and start before you're ready. I think that really resonates with with me for sure. And hopefully with a lot of our listeners as well, that you don't have to be ready before you start and you don't have to be special. You just have to be you and have a mindset that you can do it and you will do it. Exactly. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. Yeah, no, it's been great having you on. And I just love that even though you made some mistakes, I guess, like, namely the car early on in life, you still kind of said, hey, no, like, this is something that I'm going to, I'm going to knock it out as quickly as possible. That credit card debt as well, I think you mentioned. And yeah, it's just really incredible and encouraging to hear how you just kind of took a hold of that. And you just said, Hey, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pound this out and get rid of it. And that was really cool to hear about. So thank you so much for coming onto the show today. 
yeah. So if any of you want to follow Taylor, definitely go ahead. We've got her social media linked in the show notes and on our Instagram. And as always, if you are a six-figure millennial and want to share your story, give us a shout. You can email us at financialclassroom at gmail.com. You can send us a message over Facebook or Instagram at financialclassroom. And if you have any questions or want to be part of an uplifting and encouraging group that can help you with your financial questions, join the Financial Classroom Canada Facebook group. And that is all for today. So from us at the Financial Classroom, have a good one and see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more episodes and financial tips, check out our Facebook page, The Financial Classroom. And if you like this podcast, feel free to subscribe and leave us a review on our various podcast platforms. Later.